Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Good morning, Christ Community Church. All righty. Well, uh, just a couple things before we jump in. We'll be in Proverbs 14. If you have a Bible or Bible app, that's where you're going to be. Proverbs 14 is 14:30 is where we will end up at. Um, you know, um, bulletins were mentioned. If you don't grab a bulletin, please do, and always take it home with you. Always have to pick up a couple that are left in the seats, but take those home with you because they have prayer requests on there. They also have, we have men's Bible study, women's Bible study, you know, all that kind of stuff. We got a lot of stuff going on uh, this fall, for example. Uh, Lord willing, in September, uh, we will have a dinner here uh, to love on and honor our police officers in this area. And we have coming in to speak a guy by the name of Jeff Struker. Now, I know that many of you go, who is that? Well, Jeff Struker was an Army Ranger, but not just any Army Ranger. He was Ranger of the Year one year. He also survived something that he testifies about, and uh, something some of you may know. You may know the movie or you may know the book or both, Black Hawk Down. Um, he's, he's a survivor uh, from that, and um, he actually led many people to Christ after that. And so he'll be coming in to speak. And we also have, uh, coming up very soon, just here in a couple weeks, um, our kids, and I don't know, you know, if, if you don't have kids in the kids' ministry, you may not know this, but um, Kayla Wolf, my sister-in-law, took that over um, from, from mom, and, and um, she's done an amazing job with it, and the kids have really dug Jay Warner Wallace's Cold Case Christianity for kids they've been doing. And so we're going to have a little graduation ceremony for them here in a couple weeks, um, right before they go to class and start a new one, and we got a little special surprise for them. Um, can you keep a secret? No, you can't. Um, so anyway, we're going to get to Proverbs 14, and we're actually going to just do one verse. One verse is all we need to really hit this, Proverbs 14.30. That's where we're going to be. Before we get there, because we're going to be talking about jealousy and envy. Now, I, as I've said many times, I worked in Hollywood for, for several years. Uh, as a teenager, um, I ran off and lived with my older brother, Brian, and, and then on my own when I turned 18. And, and what I really wanted to do was I wanted to direct. I wanted to be a filmmaker. That's all I really cared about back then. I was an atheist then, and my religion were movies and the movie business. That's all I ever focused on. And I kept trying to get some kind of gig because I was working with my brother in the music business where you made connections but just wasn't the same thing. I wanted to get into movies and so forth. And typically the way that one of the first steps to becoming a film director is you start directing either music videos or commercials. And you just kind of go from there. And so one day I got a, a buddy of mine named Brad Schmidt who managed all kinds of artists, uh, none of which you probably know except some of you will remember Tiffany from the 80s. Uh, he managed her. She's a sweetheart, actually. And um, Brad came and took me to what's called Jerry's Deli. We had lunch there. It was weird. I had an encounter that I can't repeat with Jonathan Winters, if you remember him. Um, funny, but I just can't repeat it from the pulpit. Um, and um, 
we sat down and he gave me a job. He said that one of his artists needed a music video done, would I like to do it? And before he even told me the budget or anything else, I said, yes, I'll do it. And so I got all excited, finished lunch, went home, took a yellow pad, started making notes. Uh, he gave me the CD and the song to listen to. And so I started making notes of <clears throat> what we're going to do with this thing. And then I realized, okay, I know exactly what I want to do, and I'll need a director of photographer, photography, I'll need an editor, I'll need a gaffer, I'll need a grip. Where do I find these people? I had no idea. So I panicked. I was like, I have a job. I don't know how to get a crew to get the job done. And so I was talking that night to a buddy of mine, Mason Cooper, and I said, Mason, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, I got a, my, one of my cousins is a, is a producer. He was an associate producer. Remember the TV show Major Dad? He was an associate producer on Major Dad. He said, call him. I'll let him know that you're going to call, and he'll help you out. And I said, okay, thank you. So I called him, a guy named Todd Stevens. Great guy. Todd was very helpful. He goes, okay, call this professor at USC. He'll set you up with some folks, you know, film students. Yeah, I know it's not a big budget, so you don't have a lot of money, but film students are always willing to get a gig, always to get a credit. So if I so hire this, and, you know, he'll tell you who to hire. Okay. So I do it. And it's a disaster, and I decide a few months after that to leave Hollywood that I was a better film buff than I was a filmmaker. And so I decided to leave, and one of the things I did was I thought, well, I better call Todd. And I called Todd and thanked him again, and I said, yeah, I'm leaving L.A., I'm quitting, I'm done. He goes, no, 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 Matt. He said, don't, don't do that. He said, look, and Major Dad had just been canceled, I believe, but he said, we still got a couple weeks of shooting. A lot of our crew are, like, leaving to go get other jobs before this thing closes down all the way. Why don't you come work for me for a couple weeks on Major Dad and see how you like it? And I said, Todd, I appreciate it. And Todd went on and on. He was basically saying that he wanted to mentor me. He wanted to take me under his wing and help out, and I appreciated that. And then I left, and I came back to Ohio and got involved in politics, which I said is just Hollywood for ugly people. And so I come back here. I get involved in politics, and one day, after a very hard day on the campaign trail, came home, and I was dating this girl, and I had the night off because I'd spent all day at a county fair in like 95 degree heat. And so I'm sitting there, and uh, she goes, what do you want to do? I said, I don't care. Whatever you want to do. I just don't want to move. She goes, let's just watch TV. I said, great. She goes, there's this new show I've loved, just premiered last week, and I hadn't seen any TV, so I was working 80 hours a week. I go, okay, what are we watching? She goes, she turns on TV. Friends. She wanted to watch Friends. It's the first couple weeks of the show, Friends. I get to the end, very end, Friends, already a smash hit. Of course, would go on for a decade, produced by Todd Stevens. <laughs> uh, I remember sitting there having a very good time watching the show till the end. I saw his name, and I went, way to go, Rawlings. You just spent the day at the Vinton County Fair, smelling like cow poo, and you could have been having coffee with Jennifer Aniston. All right. But would that have been best if I had chosen that? If I said, okay, Todd, I'll, you know, I'll go with you, and we'll do our thing together and all kind of stuff. Would, where would I be now? I can tell you that if I stayed in Hollywood, in all likelihood, I would not be a Christian. I would not have my wonderful wife. Wouldn't be here. Certainly wouldn't be working on a PhD in New Testament studies. I wouldn't be doing any of that stuff. 
But it's, we do this, right? We all do this. We look back at the choices that we've made, and we wonder, what if? What if we've done this instead of that? We call that regret, but what it really is is a form of envy. It's a form of envy. Instead of praising God for who you are, where you are, and what's been laid before you, we fantasize about another life that doesn't exist. Right? Let's see what Scripture has to say about it. Proverbs 14.30. Here we go. It's a short one. Reading out of the New Living Translation. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Scripture has a lot to say about envy and jealousy. Just a lot to say. And it's hardly ever good. There are a few instances where jealousy is appropriate, but most of the time it's not. And it's almost always labeled as sin. Envy or jealousy, it's, it's an angry desire for what someone else possesses. And it's like a cancer. It just eats away at you unless it gets checked. Theodore Roosevelt once said, rightly said, that comparison is the thief of joy. Because jealousy, envy always involves a relationship with someone else, either a fictitious you or a real person, and you have this distant relationship, you're like, I want what that person has, or I want to be that person person instead of the person, especially if you're a Christian, God has made you now. What you're really doing is second-guessing God. That's what you're doing. You're saying to God, you don't know what you're doing here. The only time envy and jealousy in Scripture is condoned is when it comes to what the Bible says is an exclusive relationship. Envy and jealousy. Um, my wife won't like this, but she's getting on a plane in a few hours, so um, I think I'm safe. We were sitting at home one day, and we were watching a movie or TV show. I don't know. I was in the other room. And Clint Eastwood's son, Scott, was on. And if you haven't seen Scott, Scott Eastwood is basically a carbon copy of his dad, just a couple inches shorter, but looks just like him. And he pops up, and Megan goes, whoa. And I went, what? You know that's out loud, right? Okay, that's, you know, you get a little twinge of jealousy there because you're married. That's okay. That's all right. And, of course, God is, she's making excuses right now, be quiet. There's no way to excuse that. You tried then, it didn't work. Oh, no, I was just, it was something else. Liar. Um, his head was the only thing on the screen. <laughs> we were going, whoa, because of the lighting. Um, but God is a jealous God, and he has the right to be a jealous God because he made you. He owns you, he judges you, he tells you how to live, you belong to him. So if you go to another God, and I'm not just talking about another religion, I'm talking about worshiping anything. 
I don't care if it's money, fame, you know, success, whatever it is, if that's the priority in your life instead of God, God is jealous and has every right to be because he has the right in that exclusive relationship to be primary in your heart. He has the right to do that. We usually don't. So why the Bible says that envy and jealousy is like a cancer, here's the thing. Envy, if unchecked, leads to what? Eventually it leads to anger. And this is something that you don't see that often. You can go to scripture or you can go to psychology today and they both say that envy almost is always brings anger into the heart. You get angry. It starts off, you see somebody with a look or a body that you want to have, and it begins with, oh man, that guy's jacked, or, or she's beautiful, and then it becomes, and why can't I be that way? And there's an angry kind of thing there. Or you see somebody, you're, you know, you're driving down the road in your, in your Honda, and you look over at a guy's Tesla, and I guarantee 99.9% .9 of you do not look over and go, oh, good for him. Right? I grew up with sisters. I know how this works with women, too. Especially you see a woman, sees it like a, it could be a co-worker, and she's a little overweight, and she lops off 50 pounds, and she looks great, and she goes get a new wardrobe. And so many of you, I've seen this, so many of you women to their face like, you look wonderful, you look great. And as soon as she walks away, but she's anorexic. She'll put it on in three months. What is that? Where's that coming from? It's not from a healthy place. Envy creates anger. Anger, if unchecked. And there is righteous anger. Don't get me wrong. The Apostle Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. Why? Because there are some times when you get angry. The shirt I'm wearing says, I stand with Ukraine. When I watch the news and I see what's happening there and what Putin is doing to those people, you should get angry. I mean, they literally had, took all these orphans and kids and put them in a theater and put a huge sign on it that said this is just for orphans and children, and they bombed it anyway. That should make you angry. Someone else in your eyes doing better than you at something you want should not make you angry. It just shouldn't. A life, a, a, a path you chose over another should not make you angry. If my goal in life was to be, have my, have an IMDB page with a lot of credits and a home in Malibu, I took the wrong path. And we'll come back to this. We'll loop around to this. But if once I became a Christian, I am right that my life now determines my eternity, which path is the better path? If life is just about the 80, 90 years we get on this earth, then I guess the one with the most toys wins. But if it's about eternity, 
It's different, isn't it? Envy always leads to other sins as well. You see it in the Bible all the time. What's the first murder in the Bible? Cain and Abel. Why did Cain kill Abel? He's jealous. He was jealous. It, it just, this is what happens. Envy causes you to gossip. And then you do this thing where, especially if you don't deal with this anger, if you've got a spouse, you've got kids, guess who gets the brunt of that anger? They do, because they're safe. It just causes this domino effect. And the Bible is very clear that envy will be judged by God. Paul says that those who, who live this way will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's Now, understand, I'm not talking about ambition or goals. Those are fine. As long as you keep comparison out of it. If you go, okay, you know, I have a goal. By August, I'm going to get back in the gym when Megan gets back, and I'm going to lose 20 pounds by end of August. That's me. It's all me. It's just, I want to do this. That's good. I want to save you. I want to earn my PhD. So I want to finish my PhD here in the next three years. And it may take that long, but I, I want to finish my PhD in the next three years. And Lord willing, when I retire from here, I will go teach either full-time, part-time somewhere. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. You don't have to bring anybody else into the equation, do you? A goal is healthy. Envy is poisonous. When you start comparing, that's when you go, whew. And even psychologists, secular psychologists agree that envy comes from a bad place. It comes from, in fact, one of the articles I read this week in Psychology Today said that envy sprouts from a frail sense of self. You don't know who you are. You're not confident in who you are. You don't love who you are. And for Christians, that should be easy. Because if the center of our belief is the fact that, despite the fact that we are sinful, that we are traitors to our Creator, the fact that, despite all that, God's only Son was tortured and died in our place, for our sins, so that we could receive forgiveness and live eternally with God. We should not have, if, if our anchor is that, because what does the Apostle Paul say? If you come to faith, you can't lose it. Nothing can take the love of God away from you. If you've got that, how could you have a frail sense of self? Because you're focusing on the wrong things. You're focusing on what is here and now and not what is eternal. You have to get the right focus, and you have to focus on the gospel every moment of every day, especially in the world of social media, right? I mean, 90% of social media is like everybody being on a first date 
They're all putting on an act. Right? Ladies, are you married now to the person who took you out on that first date? Huh? Didn't break wind on that first date, did he? Everybody puts on, the, and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram's the worst. People get on there, and it's, look at this, and look at what I'm doing, and look how amazing my life is. And, you know, and you're sitting there in your apartment or your, your house, and you just got home from, from work, and, you know, and, and your spouse is cranky, and, and your kids just got to see in something, and you're like, ah, and this person's on the beach. Which, by the way, when you post your beach pics, you may get likes, but they're sitting there going, <laughs> it's 40 degrees here. It's the way it is. Whoever you are, wherever you are, you have the ability right where you are to serve the kingdom of God. You may have much, you may have little. You have the ability to serve the kingdom of God. And that is eternal. That will, to quote the poet Russell Crowe from Gladiator, that will echo through eternity. But if you spend your life not looking at eternity, just looking at right now, Not only will you not be serving the kingdom of God, you're just not going to be a happy person, period. You're not going to have any joy or peace whatsoever. Just embrace. I'm not saying you shouldn't work to get better at certain things. I turn 50 next month. I am not happy about it. You know? I, my wife is just learning this now in her 30s. She's like, oh, my legs hurt. Why do my legs hurt? I didn't do anything. I said, that's just getting older. Stuff hurts you didn't even use. And you can sit around and fret about it and complain about it, or you can just do it. That's the way it is. And it's this little, gentle, although kind of annoying reminder you're getting closer to facing God. What are you going to do? And you need to understand that all these beautiful, wonderful people, um, you know, that we look at and admire and all this other kind of stuff, they're not immune from it. How many, how many of you remember MySpace? Is that still around? Remember Tom? That was always your first friend on MySpace. I had a MySpace account once, and the first connections I made before I moved here were friends I had at, at North Hollywood High and, and Southwestern Academy and, and people like that. And so they'd send me messages of, hey, what you up to, and all this other kind of stuff. And, and you know, we were kind of catching up with each other. And this one guy, he's a good friend of mine, and when I lived in California, and he, he was either dating or somehow he knew Angelina Jolie's personal assistant. And 
we were talking about this for some reason. He must have brought it up. And he said that Angelina Jolie, this was back like when the first Transformers movie came out, I can't remember, 2008, 2009, maybe somewhere around there. And Megan Fox was like now the big thing. Guess who Angelina Jolie was obsessed with? Megan Fox. She was 10 years younger, and she was convinced she was going to get her parts. And it was driving her. She's dating Brad Pitt. She's getting paid $10 million a movie. She's adopting half of Uganda. You know, she's driving a Bugatti. And all she does is sit around and whimper and whine that this 22-year-old maybe steal a part from her in a year or two. Do you see what I mean? No one's immune from this. It's not that you're going to get so much money and you're going to get this kind of look and then all of a sudden you're going to be happy. I worked in Hollywood. Some of the most miserable human beings I have ever met. Uh, Dr. Tim Keller talks about this with Broadway stars. He's, Dr. Tim Keller has a church in New York City, and it's a big church, and, and he says that, you know, he remembers, like, he'll meet some aspiring actor or actress, and they're working as, like, a waiter at a deli in Manhattan, and they're just all full of, of joy and anticipation and hope, and then 10 years later, they've won a Tony, and they've got a TV show, and he meets them again, and that hopeful, wonderful person is now a paranoid jerk. Nobody is immune from it. So what do we do about it? Now, a couple things. Number one, you need to own it. You need to recognize it, and you need to own it. I have tried this myself. When I start down that path, right, when I'm, I'm sitting there and, and, and it may happen tonight if I'm flipping around and the, the Oscars are on uh, tonight. I, I pretty much stopped watching the Oscars, but I, you know, I used to watch them every year because I'm still a movie buff. But, and if I'm flipping around and I see somebody there that, you know, I met once back in 1990 or or, or, or whatever, and, and there they are looking all gorgeous and all this other kind of stuff, and you, your mind starts to go down that alley. Matt, what if you'd say, okay, Todd, I'll give it another shot. And I have to stop myself and go, whoa, 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 hold on a second. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you saying to God when you're doing that? Stop it. Own it. Recognize it. See it. It sounds funny because it's so contrary to our sinful nature, but we really should be able to look at somebody doing really well and be absolutely honest when we go, good for them? Own it. Number two, be thankful. You may have aches and pains. You may be going through something. You may... The Bible is very clear. Every day is a blessing from God. Be thankful for it. And get some perspective on this. Look at where we live. You may not be what you want to be. You may not be the weight you want to be, the age you want to be, the look you want to be, all that kind of stuff. But I guarantee you about 90% of the people in Ukraine would trade places with you right now. Would they not? Nobody's bombing you. 
I was listening to a podcast this week. This is, a, I know, a weird thing to bring up in a sermon, but I was listening to an interview with Gene Simmons of KISS. That was interesting. Um, Gene Simmons said that he was born in Israel. His real name is Chaim Witz, Hungarian Jew. His mother had, was put in the concentration camps at the age of 14. She barely survived. Made her way to Israel, got married, had little Gene Simmons, lived in Israel for about five years. Gene's father abandoned them. And, of course, every Arab country was trying to wipe Israel off the map in the 40s. And so she made her way to New York because she had some family there, single mother. She worked double shifts. Little Gene Simmons said he was terrified. He did not speak a word of English, and he was by himself for about 16 hours a day. Eventually, she bought him a little television set to keep him company. First he had a little transistor radio, and then he had this little television set. Now, this is going to date me, but some of you will remember this. Once upon a time, there were only three channels and PBS, if you counted that. And around 12.30 at night, what happened? Cut off. And what came on right before it cut off? Do you remember? Star Spangled Banner. You'd see pictures of the American flag waving, and they'd play the Star Spangled Banner, and then it would go off. And Gene Simmons said that his mother would take him and make him stand right next to her, hand over their hearts while that played, and she would cry. And at one point, Gene Simmons, maybe eight years old, looks and says, Mom, why are we doing this, and why are you crying? She said, Gene, you're going to learn this is the greatest country in the world, and it's the first place I've ever lived where someone's not trying to kill me. And Gene Simmons said, and this is coming from a pagan rock star, said every day above ground, especially if you're an American, is a great day. Be thankful. One of the cures to envy and jealousy and that poison is to be thankful for where you are and who you are and every breath of life the Lord gives you. And number three, remember to keep the right perspective. Keep it in perspective. Again, if we only get the 80 or 90 years, and then it's the dirt nap, and there's nothing after that, then, all right, all bets are off. But if we get those, if we're lucky enough to get those 80 or 90 years and then stand before God to decide our eternity, then does the car you drive, whether you have six-pack abs, whether you got that promotion, whether you took one path instead of another, does any of that really matter that much? Not really. It's all about perspective. And if we can cure this, if we can, if we can be the people that, that can kill the envy within us and show others how to do it, 
by owning it, by being thankful, by keeping perspective. If we can do that, think of the kind of people we can be. Because if you allow envy to grow, what, are kind, what, what kind of person are you with your family, with your co-workers, with anyone? I don't know, I can't remember I've told this story before. It's one I read quite a while back. woman is in New England, and she's at, you know, and, and here we have, you know, farmer's markets in parts of New England. They have kind of the same thing except with seafood. And you go there, and you look at lobsters and crabs and shrimp and all that kind of stuff. And she's looking over at these crabs, and this, this guy's got two buckets of crabs for sale. One of the buckets has a mesh lid on it, and the other one is open. And so the lady's looking and said, what, what's the difference? And the, and the you know, guy says, well, this, the covered bucket, those are Japanese crabs. And over here, these are, just, these are just regular New England crabs. And she goes, well, is one more expensive? Do they taste it? He goes, no, ah, they don't taste that different. No, no, they're not more expensive. Well, then why cover one and the other is, is open? He said, well, with the Japanese crabs, if you don't have a cover on, if one of them makes it to the lip of the bucket, the others will either help push him up or they'll link together and they'll all get out. The other, the New England crabs, if one of them gets to the lip of the bucket, the others pull him down. You hear what I'm saying? This is the way it is. That's just the way it is. I, um, I used to regret not taking that job I was offered at Hollywood. And I used to spend, waste a lot of time wondering, what if? But then, Thanks to the grace of God, I'll wake up in the morning. Usually, one of Megan's little demon puppies wakes me up. I'll get up, I'll take them out, I'll get a cup of coffee, and I'll think about the fact that if I were to die at that moment, I go to heaven. If not, I get to work with you all. I have a home. I have a beautiful, intelligent wife. This is the life God wanted me to have. So this is the best life I can have. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us. We spend so much of our time thinking about other people, comparing ourselves to other people in such an unhealthy way. May we recognize that we shouldn't waste a second of thought comparing ourselves to others, but simply try to follow you, to love you, and to help others. When it, we do do it, may we recognize it, repent of it, push it out of our mind, seek forgiveness. May we be thankful for every moment of every day, and may we keep an eternal 
perspective. Thank you. We praise you. I ask that you go with everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, God bless you guys. God goes with you. And if you're new, be sure to check in at the visitor's table. Be sure to have a bulletin. Check everything that is going on there. And I'm going to go home and watch somebody not Kentucky win, which upsets me greatly. See you next time. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.